in the fourth watch of the, of the night. So that's in the middle of the night. We, we understand that, right? You see somebody, a strange person walking on the water next to your boat, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? That's not something that you normally see. And so we understand that fear. But we see his interaction with Peter. He's, Peter says, hey, if that's you, Lord, let me come walk on the water too. And Jesus grants it. He says, come. Now notice here, it says, verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You understand that he, his fear came as he began to focus on his surroundings and his circumstances, and he got his eyes off of Jesus. And so Jesus had already commanded him to come and given him the ability to walk on water. Isn't that amazing? But while he's obeying, he gets distracted. He begins to look on what's happening, and he gets into fear again, and it begins to sink. Here's the picture where, see, fear is the lack of faith. Jesus says you have little faith. He didn't say you didn't have any, but you have little. There, there's a conflict when our, our fears overcome our faith or either our faith will overcome our fears. And here's a person who's a believer who has fears and faith. That's strange. That's strange, but that's where we live. That's where we are. We have fears. One of the reasons why we have fears is we have legitimate things that threaten us, things that can hurt us, things that, that can, can, can uh, damage us severely in one way or another. And so there, there are many things that we have to fear <laughs> that can hurt us, that we could fear. But what it comes down to is that faith is going to conquer fear, or fear is going to conquer faith. Which one is it? We see Peter kind of like this, right? He has faith enough to ask Jesus, let me walk on water. He believes Jesus can do that. He begins to walk, and all of a sudden now he starts to look at circumstances, and he begins to sink. And then he turns back to Jesus. And he believes, Jesus, if there's anybody who's going to save me in this mess, it's you. He cries out to Jesus. I want you to notice that fear is not resolved by removing the threats. I've counseled many times. And what I see is people coming to me and saying, Pastor, show me a way. Just, you have wisdom. You know the word of God. Show me a way to get out of my situation, basically. To remove the things that cause fear in my life. And a lot of counseling is about that. If you have a fear of water, they want you to learn how to swim so you can overcome that. And I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing to do. What I'm telling you is that fear is not resolved by removing the threat. You got that bully at school. <laughs> you know what time he comes, and here he comes. And you think if you can just tell the principal or just tell your parent, you can get over that fear. But guess what? 
Even he gets suspended and sent home. The next day, you looking out, making sure he ain't nowhere around. You're still living in that fear. It's not resolved by removing the threat. Fear is overcome through faith. Through faith in Christ. And what builds that faith? This, this thing is trust. It's, it's, it means you need to develop a relational experience or relationship that's fostered through experience. You need to get to know the Lord, who he is, what he does, and how he cares. And you need to experience that care. And based on that, you will trust more and more and more. And to the degree you don't experience that care and his power, you, you have a hard time trusting you will revert again to fear. The Bible says much about fear and how we ought to deal with it. In John 14, I want to talk about the fear of the future that Jesus deals with here. Notice what he says. The context is, is he's preparing his disciples for the time when he'll no longer be with them. They found great comfort in being with him. You can imagine that. We just looked at stories when they were on the sea and had trouble. They looked to Jesus. But now there's coming a time when Jesus was going to leave the earth, and he's preparing them for that. Look at, look at John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. What does that statement mean? Just what it says. Don't, don't go into fear. Don't have a panic attack. You know, we have psychologists today that want to give all these terms and, and all these words to, to what's going on, but the Bible deals with it very simply. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be overwhelmed by what's about to happen. What does he say? What, what does he help? What does he point them to? Believe in God. Don't be overcome by fear. What is the solution? Believe in God. He also says this, believe also in me. The two go together. Then he helps them with the fear of the future. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He's letting them know. And he won't be there with them all the time. He's leaving. He's going to go uh, from earth. He's going to go to heaven, back to his father. But he says, I've prepared a place for you. So faith is, is based on what God has said and what God has done and your experience of him, you knowing him to be able to pull off what he says he will do. So you need to get to know God. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Much of what we face is the fear of the future. But for, for believers, we need to know that that future, the most important part of our future is settled. We need to know that. I know you're saying, preacher, well, you, you can't tell me whether I'm going to face cancer this year. You can't tell me whether my job is going to continue to, 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 uh, 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 to keep me. 
You can't tell me whether my wife or my husband is going to be okay or whether they're going to stay faithful to me. You can't tell me what's going to go on with my children. You, you can't tell me of my finances, of my health, of my mental welfare. You can't tell me of those things. And you're right, I can't. But if you believe her, I can tell you this, that your future is absolutely secure in Christ. And he's made that He's made that true. He says, what, what you need to do is then focus on him and what he's done. Not only is our future secure, and we are not to fear that because of what he's done. He's saying our present is secure. Our present is secure. The Bible tells us and cautions us about not succumbing to fear of sickness, pain, or suffering. And I want you to just walk with me through a few Scriptures in First Peter chapter three, verse fourteen. Man, y'all pages turn real quietly when y'all turn. I think, I think some of y'all turning like this. <laughs> That's okay. It's on your phone or your tablet. It's still the word of God. Just get to it. 1 Peter 3.14 says this, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. He says, don't fear suffering. Now, he didn't say you won't experience it. He didn't say don't worry about it because it will never happen. He says, don't fear it. In other words, don't be dominated by fear so it causes you to, to not do what you should do. Do it anyway and suffer and trust God in the, in the provision of grace to suffer. You see, our problem sometimes is we don't want to trust God for that. We just want to get out of it. I, I, I want to be eliminated from that issue. God says, no, you're going to go through. And some of these things are going to, you're going to experience, but in experiencing them, you are not to fear. You are not to succumb and be overcome by fear. Let's look at a few others. I have two in Psalms that I want to turn to under this uh, topic. In Psalm 27, verse 1, and, and Psalm is a... It's a textbook for guiding our thinking and focusing on us and helping us to, to meditate and to think in the right way. Psalm 27, are you with me? Psalm 27, are you with me? All right. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Would you repeat that phrase with me? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise, arise against me, yet I will be confident saying no matter what I go through, I'm going to teach myself, I'm going to learn not to be succumbed or overcome by fear. We're going to be threatened. 
in a lot of ways. In this passage, the, the psalmist has physical enemies that are out to kill him. We're going to be threatened. We're not to succumb to fear. Some of you work in dangerous jobs. My son is a police officer. One of the worst cities in the world in terms of violence and chaos and nonsense. The city of Milwaukee right here. I pray for him on a regular basis. But you know what? You're not to live in fear. You cannot function as God wants you to function in fear. You have to take what God has given you and trust him to help you to overcome each challenge as it comes. The psalmist here says this, when evildoers assail me. He didn't even say if. He said it's going to happen. You're going to face some challenges. See, being a believer, being a Christian is not a skip out on life card. What it is is saying, God is with you. What God said to Joshua, I will be with you. He didn't just say, I'm sending you out. I am going with you. You can be guaranteed of my presence with you. In Psalm 56, verse 1, I think you ought to write some of these down. I really do. Because you need to meditate. I find myself, you know, I'm, I'm awake. I go to bed at whatever time I go to bed, and I wake up, and I think, you know, it's got to be close to waking up time, whatever that time is. And I look, and it's like nowhere near it. It's like 1.30, 2.30 in the morning. And my mind is racing on the things of the day. Your mind is probably like that. Some things are just... Just, you know, what you got to do tomorrow and who you got to talk to and where you're going to go and those kind of things. And other things are just more intense that you just find a hard time getting them off your mind. We all experience that. What it is is I will not be overcome with fear as I deal with those issues. Look at Psalm 56.1. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long, an attacker opposes me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He says, I do experience fear, but when I experience it, I push towards faith. I, I began to trust. I remind myself of who God is and who I am in his care. We are not to fear sickness, pain, or suffering. Not because they don't hurt or we don't experience them. It's because we are not to focus on them and be overcome by them so that we fail to do what God has called us to do. You know, some of us get the impression that the only thing God calls us to do is easy things and things that have no risk at all. And if there's any risk, God must not have called me to that. I hear so many people say, well, pastor, I think God is calling me to this job, but it doesn't pay well. 
I go, wow, is that the only criteria you have for judging God's purpose and his will? In other words, I want ease of life and comfort. My answer to that is who doesn't? If you offered me a brand new car and a brand new house, I'd probably take it just like that. Thank you. <laughs> better for me, better car than I got, better house than I got. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm good with that. Who doesn't want ease of comfort? What we must not do is to base our life and our decisions on that. Instead, say, God, what is your desire for me? What is it that you want me to do? And not base it on fear. Well, I'm, I don't want to do that. That might be hard. That might be difficult. That might call for a sacrifice. Those things that we fear. God, are you with me? You promised to be with me. Help me to trust in you. Give me wisdom. Because all the things that, that, that uh, uh, God has may not be that difficult or, or call for that great of a sacrifice, but give me wisdom in choosing your way. Help me to get your perspective in making this decision and, and not just deciding based on what feels good to me. We are not to fear life itself. Life comes with trouble. I think we do a disservice to our children when we teach them we fail to teach them that life is difficult and they're going to face some difficult things. They get the impression, I shouldn't learn this because I don't feel like doing it. Well, I got news for you. <laughs> Welcome to life. There's going to be a lot of things you need to do that you just don't feel like doing. Life troubles we are not to fear. Look at Psalm 46 with me. Psalm 46, verses 1, 2, and 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. Now, let me stop. There was a thunderstorm last night or yesterday afternoon. Y'all heard that crack of thunder? It, it, you, I don't know where you could be where you didn't hear it. It was just a monstrous roar, and I thought, man, only God can make a, a sound that great. It just captured all of your attention, and it made you look, and it made you think. It sounded like the sky was just cracking wide open, and you wonder what's going to fall out of it. But he says, look, he says, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now, I admit, I, th I think he's talking himself into something, <laughs> and we need to do that. We need to encourage ourselves by saying no matter what, how grave the circumstances are around us, we will not give way to fear. And we're reminded that we need to remind ourselves of that all the time. It's not that we won't face fear. We will not allow it to rule us. 
if you're a human being, you got fears. All of us do. But you're either going to live dominated by that fear, you're going to live dominated by faith in God to help you work through those issues that you face. Psalm 91 is another one I want to look at. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. Now think about that. What does refuge and fortress mean? It means a place where I can go and find shelter. It's a place that I can get and I can hide and I can be protected from the things around me. It's what home is supposed to be, right? I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. I find that in God. In other words, yeah, I might have an alarm system on my house. I might have locks on my windows and locks on my doors. But really, I know that it's the Lord who is my fortress. He's the one that I'm looking to keep me. He's the one that I'm looking to protect me. He's the one that I run to. He's the one that I cry out to. He's the one that I put my faith and my trust in. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. Can I translate that? <laughs> we don't have arrows that fly by the day. We got, we got bullets. <laughs> we got cars that run crazy. But we got all kinds of things that we can't fear. But the psalmist is reminding himself that I belong to the Lord and the things around me will not stop me from doing what I need to do. You know, some people don't do certain things because the fear of them, whether it's driving, whether it's participating in sports, or whether it's being on the water, fear. I mean, just all, there, there's so many fears, you can't even name them all. Don't be governed by your fear. When God has something for you to do, trust in him. He says, Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. He's saying, I refuse to live in fear, but instead I'm going to trust God. Let's look at a few. Another one in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, 10. And there are many passages. I just want to remind you of a few today. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love that. Don't live in fear. Why? God says he is with you. And I want to say, if, if you don't belong to God, you have a whole lot to fear. 
I can't encourage you not to fear. I'd go crazy if I was you. I'd run right to God. I'd run right to God. Because there's nothing else that can protect you. In fact, the one you need to fear is God himself. Not in the sense of fear and trusting him, but fear him as your enemy. He's going against you and will judge you. I will turn to him. I will plead that I be called his friend. <laughs> I would do whatever I had to do to submit myself to him. Isaiah 41, verses 1 through 3. I'm serious. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I, I like that, that term of righteous right hand. He's saying... I have the power, my right hand. He always uses that, that, that thing, you know, kind of relates to us as human beings. Right hand is, is most, people's, most people are right-handed, so that's their power side, you know. I remember as a young man being in fights, and I positioned myself so I get that right hand in. If I get that right hand, you're dead, you're gone. That's the power side. And God is saying, I got my right hand. And then he said, it's a righteous right hand. Isn't that good? Righteous right hand. He said, is any injustice or anything wrong, I'm going to protect you with power. I ain't going to just talk. <laughs> I'm going to bring the right hand, but it's a righteous right hand. It's a combination of the two. God is our protector. 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, what I find is that, ladies, you deal with fear a lot. I know you do. I hear it in your talk and in your prayer, and there's reason why you deal with fear. As I said before, there's a lot for us to fear. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. <laughs> Notice that kind of just puts that in at the end. Do not fear anything that is frightening. He's showing you an example of godly women and how they are to live. And here's a statement. Don't fear anything that's frightening. Don't be overcome in your fear. We, we, we live in this COVID age. And I, and I think, you know, um, it, it's been so much emphasis on this particular virus, it just amazes me that people are walking in constant fear. Many of you know that one of the things I do just on a part-time basis is I deliver uh, packages for FedEx. And just, just yesterday, I was delivering a package, and a, and a woman ha happened to be outside as I was bringing this to her door. And, and you could just see on her face, she was ready to take the package, but she didn't know how close she should let me get to her. And so as I brought the package, she was like, and I'm, I'm scratching my head like, wait a minute. You think in two seconds that a virus is going to jump out from me and jump on you, and that's the end of the world. 
How are you living in that fear? Now, I'm, I'm fine. You want to take precautions and you, you, you understand those physical things that are a threat. Do that, but you cannot live in constant fear. There's people who would love for you to live in fear because either, you know, you, it's like the bully on, on the way to school. Either you're going to trust the good guy to keep you away and to protect you, or you're going to have to pay the bully. And when he got you in fear, he got you just where he wants you. Don't be fooled. There are a lot of people who are preaching fear today, who are presenting fear so that you can listen to them, obey them, and do what they say. And they say jump, and you say how high on the way up. What you need to say is, I understand some things, but I fear nothing. I trust God, and I will walk with him in all my ways. So 1 Peter 3 is, is, is showing godly women how they are to respond. And just that little message at the end, it says, you, you're not going to be... A fearful, let anything frighten you. Do not fear anything that is frightening. I like the way he says that. It's a lot of stuff that is frightening. But you're not going to live on that fear constantly. Instead, you're going to live by faith. One of the things that we just have a natural fear of, and it's, it's, it's founded is the fear of death. And I said it's found to be, that's to keep us safe. Don't do stupid things. I, I watch people every day who don't seem to have any fear of death. <laughs> the way they drive, <laughs> the way they act, the way they interact with each other, I wish they had a little bit more fear of that. It's called common sense. People don't seem to have that today, but the Bible makes it clear that even the reality of death is not to dominate our fear. Let's turn to that old familiar passage in Psalm 23. You know it. Why has that become so familiar? Because it's so appropriate for our everyday walk. And it says there, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk, look at that image. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I'm in the low line and death is all around me and I'm surrounded by it so that it casts its shadow on me. You know what I picture? You used to watch these shows where, you know, somebody was in the desert and the wilderness. You knew that they was in trouble when you see the vultures following them, Right? You see the vultures, they be just like, just kind of coasting along, and they got their little smile on their face like, yeah, dinner, you know, he's next. And he's saying, the vultures are, are, are announcing my doom. They're following me. He says, even though that's the case for me, I will not live and succumb to fear. I will fear no evil. Now, 
The reality is we talk a great deal about not having fear, but one of the biggest fears that we have is, the Bible would term it this way, the fear of man. The fear of man. And I'm not talking about fearing a guy who's going to rob you and steal your car. That's, that's a fear, I understand that. But the, the fear of changing our behavior so that we might appeal to someone or so that we won't not appeal to someone. That's the fear of man. In Proverbs chapter 29, 25, I want to turn there. We're not to be, we're not to let that fear overcome us. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I think we see the fear of man is this, is when a crowd says this or is going this way, and we know it's wrong, but we still go along with it. Or we say we don't go along with it, but, but uh, 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 we won't oppose it or challenge it. I've stated many times about this Black Lives Matter thing that's going on in, in our culture, and, and I'm amazed that so many people have these signs on their houses, and they stand for a slogan that, that is nonsense, but they stand for a cause that is in direct opposition to anything godly. And what they'll do is they, they'll put the sign to say, hey, I'm, I don't want, I'm so afraid that I'll be labeled racist or not with it or not with the group think thing, and so I don't want to say anything against this. What we have is the fear of man. We need to preach what thus saith the Lord. You know what? I'm committed to that. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if you leave the church. I don't care if you stop tithing. It doesn't matter. God's work is going to continue on what God does. And those things can happen. They have happened in the past. But we don't live by that fear. We don't live by blackmail of Satan. You better go my way, or at least don't challenge me in that way, or I'm going to get you. I'm out for you. Satan has said that all my life. As long as I've trusted in God, and I will not succumb to the fear of man. I need to remind myself often of that, because it's so tempting. It's so easy. Why don't you just get along? Why don't you just not say something and it'll be so much easier? Why don't you just smooth things over? It's called the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25, we just read. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Notice the, con the contrast. Either you're going to succumb and be a people pleaser, or you're going to submit to God and follow his ways. That's not to say you have to be obstinate in what you do and lash out at people, but when it comes to trusting God, he has to come first. In Isaiah 2, we had a message, Brian spoke a message just recently in Isaiah 2, and notice at the end of that passage, verse 22, he says this, Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? 
He's saying don't preach, don't speak, don't live so that people will like you. Speak, live, and do so that God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's reminding a prophet of that because he spoke to a people who had succumbed to that already. Look again with me at Psalm 18, verse 6. So we have many fears. The Bible challenges us in them all. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What can man do to me? Ask John the Baptist what man can do to him. You know the story. Herod put him to death, executed him unjustly. But he would still say this. <laughs> the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The answer to that is the worst they can do is take my life. He's saying, I will not fear, I will not live, I will not succumb to things that are against God simply because that's the way the tide is going. And if I don't do that, I'm subject to punishment from man. He said, I'm not living in that. You can see that summarized. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, 28 says this, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Now, what is he talking about? Again, one of the things of interpreting or understanding scriptures, look at the context. Go back a little bit. Look, look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Jesus is saying, look, if they call me <laughs> a servant of Satan... And, 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 and made my name bad, what do you think they're going to do to you? Then he continues on and says, verse 26, so have no fear of them. Who is the them? It's those who oppose and persecute God's people and God's servant. Jesus is saying, I'm top on the list. Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's saying, have no fear of man, but fear God. Live with the respect and the reverence and an awesome fear of God. 
Let that guide our thinking. Let that guide our doing. Last week we talked about that biblical perspective is, and here it says, in the face of fear, have that biblical perspective. That I will follow, I will obey God no matter what. Now I want to tell you something. That's easy to say, or it's easier to say than it is to do. And the reason why I say it, I say it often because I want to be reminded and I want you to remind me and I want to remind you what our purpose and what our goal is and how we will function, how we will think, and how we will live. So when fear tempts us, we take a closer look at God, a closer look at God's word, and our resolve is to do what God has called us to do, is trust him and not succumb to the fears that man brings. So in this passage, it's saying, don't fear those even though they can do great physical harm, and they can. He still says, don't fear them. By the way, that includes Satan himself. Don't fear the one who can destroy the body. Can you, can you think about the life of Job that we just went through that series? He's saying, don't fear the one who can destroy all your possessions and affect you financially, who can squeeze and, and, and persecute and, and, and upset all of your family and all your business, and don't even fear the one who, when he's done that, he can... He can Work on your body and bring sickness and hardship and pain and suffering. Job chose to fear God. He says, I don't understand what God is doing. I, I don't know what I did to deserve all this. <laughs> but I still trust God. I still fear him. It's, it's interesting that the Bible repeatedly reminds us to fear God. In Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who, y'all ain't with me. I ain't going to end this sermon just because y'all falling asleep. I ain't like that. Psalm 34, 7. You with me? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who... Some of y'all got it. I'll do it again. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 9, oh fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Verse 11, come, oh children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And each, each of those cases is speaking of fear and the fear of God in a positive sense. We ought to have an awesome respect. We ought to be overcome with the fear of God in our lives. You see, if you fear God that way, you literally are scared to sin. <laughs> now, that's not your only motivation that, that you, you're afraid to do wrong, but it is that you respect God so much that you will not do things that you know violate him. And then if you ever do, 
You come to God in full humility and submission and say, God, I'm sorry. That's the fear of the Lord that he's talking about. Several other passages that talk about fear. But I want to end with this one. And it's in Romans chapter 8. And it's a very familiar passage that I want to encourage your hearts with and challenge you with. Romans 8, verse 31. <clears throat> what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, he, he brings a question, if God is for us, and then he answers that question by, by making it clear how he can show that God is for us, all right? And he, he proves it this way. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. What does he mean by not spare his son? He means not only that he sent him to earth, to live as a human being so he might experience the types of things that we experience. But not only that, but that he gave him up for dead. That he, he caused him to be crucified a cruel, painful, suffering death for me, for you. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He's saying Satan and anybody else cannot touch you in regards to your relationship with God because of what Christ has brought for you. So who do you have to fear? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In other words, what do you have to fear? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are guard, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, who... Have we to fear? God says you have much that threatens you, but you are not to succumb to that. You are to fight fear by faith, by trusting in God, by deepening your relationship with him so you understand what he's all about and you understand what he's capable of doing and you're sold out and committed to him. And you show that through your everyday life and through it in everything that you do. Father, we pray that you speak through your word today to us to strengthen, to encourage, to challenge, to remind us of those areas in our lives when we are so tempted to succumb to fear. Help us to respond in right ways to that. Help us to encourage one another in our walk and in our battle against fear. Help us to be encouraged by one another in that same battle. 
Help us to realize that you have paved the way. We are to look at this life as you see it. It is a short, temporary stay in a sin-cursed world that you have already redeemed us from and promised to take us out of. And we need to live out your plan for us in this life boldly in obedience to you, showing the world that you are the only solution. You are the only salvation. They need to see that in Lord Jesus Christ through us. We just pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts today to allow us to be committed to that path, praising Jesus who set the example that he faced death and torture and he did that so that he could purchase our salvation with his own blood. We thank you for that which he has done. We give our lives for what he has done for us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.